0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Young Adult Podcast. My name is Connor, and I will be your host today. Joining me in the podcast booth, a.k.a. the little closet we've converted into a podcast studio with no air conditioning. We have the one and only <laughs> Andrew Matron. What's good, fam? I feel like it's been a minute.
1: Yeah. yeah. Has else? it?
0: Probably not as long as it feels. No, but
1: yeah. We, we, we have converted a... Uh, this little space. You guys built some walls for the podcast room. We did. We're official. If there's ever a room that held COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and <this> asbestos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's. Yeah. You've got an open. Open ceiling with that. Is that asbestos? That's. Um, what is it called? That. Seals in like heat and cold. Oh, and, yeah. Insulation. Uh, insulation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's great to breathe in. And if anybody's ahead. been
1: listening to this, and they're like, man, this is a great podcast. I bet they are in a dope studio. We're not. We're not. Yeah, you should come <laughs> come by and check it out. <laughs> you'll, you'll probably stop
0: listening. Um. Hey, real quick, I want to give a shout-out to one of our listeners all the way from Cincinnati, Mr. Darrington C.K. himself. Oh, we were talking. man. He is, man. We were talking the other week. He was saying he's a big fan of the podcast, listens to it. He said he listens to it working out most of the time.
1: That's so, awesome. Darrington, stop walking. Yeah, Darrington's a legend. Darrington has been on uh he's been on like in like Times Square, like on those like screens and stuff. He's That's like, right, for modeling. Yeah. He's legit. He is legit. So if he's
0: listening, we're come do, on. We're doing something right. Yeah. Love you, Darrington. Love you, man. And hey, stop walking, yeah. start sprinting. <laughs> come on, your break's over. Yep. Yep. No, um, so we on Thursdays in our series, we are in a series called What is Love? Um, we're doing a relationship series for the month of September leading up to our retreat. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, That's how you do a little air horn or whatever, Whitney. Um, <laughs> but we're leading up to our retreat. If you have not signed up for the Young Adult Retreat
1: yet, what are you doing with your life, yeah. man? It is. It's, it's life-changing. I it mean, is. I mean I know that even as a pastor, I just spoke at a youth retreat like a few weeks ago. And I walked away being like, man, God is so good. Like God worked on my life and my heart and it's just something about when you get away for a minute it is yeah. there there's something about
0: I'm not even like a mountains person mm-hmm. i I actually don't like nature very much if i'm <laughs> if I'm being honest but there is something just atheist. about getting away <laughs> atheist there's something about just getting away and like setting inside time to be with God and hang out with people that it just recharges you and gets yeah. you ready to like take on
1: whatever's next in your season of life and so yeah it's the Jeremiah 29 12 13 like when you seek me you'll find you me. seek me with all your heart you'll find me and there's so there's something about us positioning ourselves in the presence of God that's saying all right God I'm gonna like position myself to seek you and hear your voice and more times than not God will speak if you go to if you pay money to hear God speak to your life, <laughs> like and it's something like that, and you like honor God with your time, and you're finding like He's gonna speak and do something. Yeah, so He's gonna show up. So it's a weekend up in the mountains, October
0: first through third, 150 bucks. That gets a, a roof over your head, a bunch of meals, really dope um, time, friends, bonfires, the mountains, yeah, all that good stuff. If you've never been, sign up. You can go to redrocksya.com and there will be a link there. That's enough of the promo. We are gonna dive <laughs> into some relationship. Q&A, some questions that are on your all's hearts, um, some questions that we've just heard circulated, uh, you know, over and over again through all of our times talking with you guys, college students, young professionals about sex, relationships, all that good stuff. And we're going to kick it off. We're going to do a two-part series back-to-back, so tune in next week and we will have part two of this relationship Q&A. But Mm -hmm. to kick it off, here's one. Um, We're just going to dive right in. Um, Let's do it. Here we go. Uh, how high should I prioritize sexual attraction in a relationship? Is sexual attraction something that's overvalued, or is it actually important and something that I should care about?
1: Mm. That's great. Uh, and I think a lot of people have that question. I, I had that question, and I don't think it makes you any less godly <laughs> to, no, not to, at all. to have that question of like, hey, the person I like want to marry and date— I want to be attracted to him. Yeah. Uh, and so like in the simplest form, this verse doesn't necessarily speak exactly to that, but I think there's a secondary thought to it. It's 1 Timothy 4.8 uh, when when Paul says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Like he's saying like there is value to, to physicality. Like there's yeah. value to you like working out, there's value to you like working on your body. There is value to, but it's not all the value. Like there's more yeah. value in, in other things. And so I would kind of take that verse and translate it into the sense of when it comes to like physical attraction. Yes, there is value to it. Um, but should you be putting that at the top of your priority list? Probably not. No. Um, because those are things that that can fade. Um, I don't think My- that God is asking you to marry someone you think is an UGG.
0: <laughs> no, my gr- my grandma has a quote that beauty's only skin deep, but ugly's to the bone. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and hey, everybody's everybody's scale of what's beautiful, what's attractive is totally different. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about some type of societal standard of beauty, but yeah, I think it's important. Um, like Andrew is saying, should it be the highest thing on your list? No, because to quote my grandma one more time, gravity always wins. You know, <laughs> everybody, um, you know, ladies. He might he might be you know nice and muscular now, but just give him a couple home cooked meals, and the, his belly will start showing <laughs> a little bit. You know, and so yeah, is it important? Absolutely, but. You tend to hopefully over time learn to fall in love with who that person is as well as what they look like. Yeah,
1: and I think that our, our world in a healthy way is making a shift on on what is attractive, what is not. Like you, yeah, you, you see it in in ads. You see it with um, even like underwear ads and like it's just like the the picture that we've always tried to create as beautiful. I think is beginning to to shift in, in a healthy way um but yeah it it does place value there is a value to it yeah. but but i don't think that when you're creating a list of non-negotiables of who you want in a future spouse that should be like number, number 1 yeah number 4 or 5 yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of that what when you were saying about society <laughs> shifting Erin was telling me that um over this past summer she was looking for like a bathing suit and she was on target's website and I guess Target has stopped editing their models' pictures. Mm. And I guess it's, like, a big movement like other places. Like, I think American Eagle are starting to do it. But whatever picture was taken, like, that's what they're showing. They're not, like, Photoshopping a bunch of people to
1: look totally unrealistic. Yeah, anymore, and I think that, so. that's so healthy. And not, not just for um, for females. Like, body image for males is yeah. a huge, huge, massive issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Things that I've had to work through and struggle with. And so e- even for, for myself, like the whole like dad bod movement has been the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, so I can like lift weights but still eat Papa John's pizzas. And Perfect. And people are like, yo, you look great, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> awesome.
0: So all of that to say, yes, prioritize sexual attraction, but don't make it the most important thing in your relationship. Um, they should have some personality and some brains uh-huh. as well. All right, next question: Is there a difference between lust and <laughs> sexual attraction? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, is there a is there a difference between lust and sexual attraction? Don't both have to deal with wanting to have sex with somebody?
1: Uh, I would say they don't really both deal with with wanting to have sex with somebody. Okay, um, I. So I, I, would, I would say, like, if someone were to ask me this at young adults, like, hey, what's the difference between, like, being attracted to somebody or, or, like, having lustful thoughts towards them? <clears throat> There's a difference between thinking and dwelling. Okay. Um, like, I can think someone is attractive, but then when you begin to dwell on their attractiveness, a lot of times what you'll, do, you'll end up doing is you begin to fantasize yeah. about that person, which then begins to turn into lust. And what does Paul say about lust like let there not be a hint of sexual immorality like um and so like even a married person think about this it's not wrong for a married person to think that someone is attractive both me and my wife know that we're not the only attractive people to each other on the planet that there are other good-looking people on this (laughs) earth like all around us we have attractive friends we have attractive co-workers like it's not wrong to think that someone's attractive but But then when you begin to dwell on their attractiveness, that's when it becomes sinful. So I could think someone's attractive, but then I begin to dwell on their attractiveness. Um, Because dwelling can lead to fantasizing, and and fantasizing can oftentimes lead to action, whether that action is is trying to get with that person or act out in another sexual manner. So that's how I—being attracted— Sexually attracted, I guess could be I guess you worded it as sexually attracted. Um but I think that being attracted to somebody yeah. is thinking, having lustful thoughts is, is dwelling. Is dwelling, yeah. yeah. No, I would agree
0: with that. I think that uh I think that lust <clears throat> is always kind of self centered in in a in a way of like hmm. I want this from this person. Like Lust will lead you to like I think lust leads to like sexual thoughts, whereas, like you were saying, you can recognize a girl's attractive without thinking sexual thoughts towards that yeah, person. yeah, um, so I think lust does always kind of come with this degree of like w- wanting to or thinking about acting something out. Mm-hmm. whereas just like you can recognize, I don't know, a beautiful home without mm-hmm. like being envious of it. I think you can recognize there's beautiful people in the world without wanting to act or at least think about acting out on that. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So difference between lust and sexual attraction, ding, 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 thinking and dwelling. I like that. I, I like that. That's a good thought. Um, okay. Here's a Here's a question. We're getting a little more personal, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Is it lustful? To be turned on, that's weird to say on a podcast. Is it lustful to be turned on even if it's doing something like kissing, but nothing that's explicitly
1: sexual in any way? Uh, is it lustful to be turned on? Uh, I would say no, because sometimes you can't always control the thoughts or the images that, that like, capture your your mind, Um it's similar to like if you were to have a sexual dream, okay. Like you didn't, you didn't necessarily go looking for that dream. You didn't go out of your way to have that. But yeah. but it but it took place. Um, and so, I think it kind of goes back to like some of this like thinking and dwelling thing. Like Scripture doesn't say control your thoughts, because I, I think that the Lord understands that there are just thoughts that we have. There are things that we see. There's there are images that are that happen. Um, there are things that we hear that can trigger certain thoughts, yeah, whether we want it or not. He doesn't say control your thoughts, um, in scripture, it says take your thoughts captive. So, so there's something this thought of okay, I saw something, um, I thought something, uh, probably wasn't the healthiest thought, and so I'm gonna put that thought in its rightful place and I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna take it captive. So, um is it lustful to be turned on? No, I think that sometimes things happen, or you see things, or you hear things that that kind of that get you to that place. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
0: I think I think it kind of means, or I guess it kind of matters on what you mean by being turned on, which which is kind of weird to say.
1: Yeah, but define but, it for us, people.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, um, I think I think it's not necessarily lustful to be turned on, but I do think. That being turned on is an indicator that you're you're getting close to some dangerous territory. Like, um, if I if I'm just think, if I'm trying to <laughs> define that term for myself, I, I would like if if you're turned on, it means you're probably wanting to go further than where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good place to then stop and be safe. You know, mm-hmm. like you're never gonna go wrong with being precautious. You're never yeah. going to be wrong with like <clears throat> taking a step back. Um, now that that doesn't mean like, no, you shouldn't kiss or anything like that. I don't know to each their own. Um, but I don't think necessarily like being attracted or being turned on by somebody is lustful. I think it's what you do with it, how you handle it, both physically and mentally, where you let those thoughts go. And especially if you're together, do you have the self-control and the wherewithal to draw back and say, Hey,
1: we're getting close to crossing some lines here. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Because lust, the word lust means like a very strong sexual desire. Yeah. So I have a very strong sexual desire to, to move forward with, with this. You know. So I, so I do think that <clears throat> there sometimes you you have to be able to compartmentalize the two, and you you have to know that sometimes it's not sinful to have bad thoughts what's sinful is when we begin to dwell on those thoughts begin to fantasize on those thoughts and then um and the longer we do that we just all know like your life will go in the sh- in the direction of your strongest thoughts yeah and so that that's why we have to fight to take captive um the things that are infiltrating our mind and also stay away from uh the things that we know will begin to create that like there's just certain Types of music and songs. Yeah, absolutely. That we know that we we listen to that just spark there are certain reality TV shows <clears throat> that we know that that like make us begin to dwell and fantasize of what could be or what we want. You know, there's TV shows. There there is more accessibility that has been deemed by culture like okay yeah. for our viewing pleasure that we just flat out know. That, yeah, I shouldn't watch that. Yeah, like even If you want to watch The Bachelor, Bachelorette, whatever, that's fine. But if, but if you're someone who watches that and then the whole time you're watching and then afterwards it's creating something inside of you that you know is unhealthy, then that's like taking captive thoughts. That's, yeah, that's taking control over your mind. You do have control over, over like where you allow your mind to go to. So, um, I don't know, just a word of caution. Because I, I have to there, there are certain things I flat out just have to stay away from. The things that no one would hear that I watch and be like, that's sinful, he's watching that. But I know that it makes my mind go, yeah. go places.
0: Yeah, I think we I think we confuse strength with like the ability to be really close to things that <clears throat> could make us mess mm-hmm. up. That's good, yeah. And not the ability to say no to things, like mm-hmm. to be over precautious. I think, like you were saying, it is so true. I like growing up, like I used to think that, like, a strong being a strong Christian or, or, you know, having your sexuality and your sexual desires under control would mean that you could go watch a movie with nudity and it wouldn't faze you, or Mm -hmm. you could watch TV or listen to music that is pushing some type of sexual agenda and it wouldn't phase you. And I was like, a strong Christian could listen to that and not even be phased by it. Yeah. But a strong Christian probably wouldn't put themselves in position for that to enter into their brain anyway. Right. And, and the older I get, the more I'm kind of rethinking like what is, what is spiritual maturity? What is, you know, maturity in that area? It's, I don't think it's the ability to like withstand more than somebody else. Yeah. I think it's, the ability to know yourself and to say no yeah, and and know your own limits to so be on the offense, yeah. Because you you're fooling yourself if you think that you can. And, and I'm not listen. I, I all the music I listen to is not worship music, but you're fooling yourself if you think that all you can listen to is R and B, rap, or whatever. You know, very sexually promoting music, and not have thoughts like that. You're you're just what you consume is what will. Consume you to some degree, you yeah. know,
1: and and even and people probably get so mad at this this statement, but even like like things like Laney, that 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 are are amazing. I, I I love them, but that that we we know ourselves. We we know like this certain. There's like 15 girls who just listen to that. My, <laughs> if my wife she doesn't listen to the podcast, she's like shut up, man. And I, I love I've listened to the whole album like multiple times over the past few weeks, but but we we have to have the wherewithal of like the things that we allow to infiltrate our lives that we know can can get us thinking about the x or can yeah and to yeah that was amazing to to think of like strength isn't like how much can you endure for how long yeah it's like no strength is like the confidence in yourself to know like hey i just know that if I, if i go to that place yeah i probably know what i'm gonna do i know my ex is there at that party yeah um and i just know myself that if i go there i'm probably going to end up in his bed tonight yeah so i'm not going to you know and like that strength that that yeah. doesn't that doesn't make you weak that doesn't um so yeah i, th- I think re- redefining that was perfect yeah that's good all right i think we got time for two more um and then we
0: will continue on our q and a journey next week mm. um all right Next one, is sexual compatibility important for a relationship? What if one person is a lot more sexually experienced than the other? Is that a reason for you to break up? Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of put down here just a a thought I jotted down that sexual compatibility is a myth. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I mean by that is this if you are a man, and you're in a relationship with a female, you are sexually compatible. Mm-hmm. It'll work. Yeah, unless the parts fit. Yeah, the parts fit. Um, so every guy is sexually compatible with every girl. Now, I know the question that you're kind of digging into deeper is, and sort of is that the follow-up question, what if, let's just say the guy in this situation is way more experienced, had way more sexual partners than the other? Is that a reason to break up. Um, one, I feel like if you're asking that question, your relationship – might be on rocky territory already, (laughs) but I think, no, like, um, one, hopefully if, if you're at a place where you're in a relationship and one person has way more experience than the other, there is a time and a place when you know you're serious to sit down and to talk about that. Um, but I do think there is a beauty in learning sexual things together we did a we did a relationship series a year or two ago. Who knows? With COVID, it could be three years ago. Seriously. but we did one. And there's a, there's a message where we kind of talked about this this these things that we take to bed with us. And in our culture, there's like this badge of honor to like be super sexually experienced going into a relationship. To know what you like, to know what you don't like, to have all these different sexual experiences figured out. But in God's eyes and honestly too there's like a there's a beauty in the complete and total awkwardness right. of two non-sexually experienced people coming together. As as gross and disgusting as this is it makes me think of that video like TLC's first kiss or something like that. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's this this couple that's Uh, like- If if
1: we had the YouTube channel back up, we'd definitely be playing that.
0: Oh, for sure. But it's this this couple who's never kissed anybody before, either of them. And their very first kisses ever are on their wedding day standing at the altar. And it is the most uncomfortable, awkward, it just (laughs) makes your skin crawl, watching these people kiss. And as weird as this sounds, There's, like, a, a beauty to it because they don't know any better. This is their first time, you know, whatever. And, th- and that same goes with with sex is we want to have this, like, badge of honor of, like, I- I'm sexually experienced. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. There is a beauty in being totally naive and coming together um, and experiencing that kind of awkwardness together.
1: I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. <laughs> All right. What? What would you say to, because there's someone listening to this who's like, yeah, but I've had, I've had some sexual partners and I, and I've had a sexual partner, uh, who it, it was amazing every time that we had sex. And then I had a sexual partner who wasn't really as much. And then I'm going to get married. And what if, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you go through that? How do you like
0: deal with that? Yeah. (laughs) I think one you, what I would advise somebody if they're telling me this is to love is so much deeper than sex. Um, sex is a part of love for sure. God designed sex to be a glue in a relationship to be a bonding experience between two people that love each other. But love is so much deeper than sex. You Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned this a lot. Um, there are going to be times in your relationship where you can't have sex. If you just had a baby, or let's say there's a a sickness or an illness or God forbid a car accident or something, there's going to be moments in your relationship where you can't have sex. And so if sexual satisfaction and sexual compatibility is, is so important to you that you would break up over it. I feel like the love that you have for that person is not a marriage kind of love. And that might sound harsh. Um, but I think one love is so much deeper than sex, but then two on on a, just being a married person, I can say this from experience, sex within marriage has all the room in the world to grow into the best sex you've ever had in your life. Mm-hmm. And so just because you've had an, a sexual experience or a sexual encounter with somebody that was really good and then you had one that, that was really bad and you're worried like, well, what if my partner for life? When you're married, the covering that you have in your marriage is that you have a lifetime to explore, to try things, mm-hmm. And and allow your sex life to grow into the best sex. And the you've best ever physical had.
1: intimacy comes is birthed out of when emotional, spiritual, and mental intimacy is there. Yes. Um, because then physical in- intimacy can rest in that. Um and so me and my wife, when we're in seasons where we're connecting spiritually, emotionally, mentally. We're hearing each other, we're understanding each other, we're validating each other. Sex is great. Yeah. Um, and it's it's there's no pressure in it. But when there's seasons where we're like kind of like at each other's throats fighting a little bit, and we're feel like we're against each other. Physical intimacy intimacy sucks in that season of life. Yeah. Um I'll, I'll say this before we go on to the the last thing. I read from Men's Journal. Okay how to know if you are sexually compatible with your partner, and it's a a quiz. Oh, no way. (laughs) But just, I'm not endorsing this. Okay. But I just wanna, here's something. So number one, was seeing your partner lust at first sight? And then they tell you to give points. So two points if yes, one point (laughs) if kind of, and then more questions of like, do you like how, how they smell? How well do you get along like outside of the bedroom? What goes through your mind when you're having sex? Is she as passionate as you are? How comfortable are you discussing what you like in bed? Um, How well do you fit together uh, anatomically? Like, can can you all just hear that? And like, that's our world's perspective of how do I know if I'm sexually compatible with somebody? Take a quiz online. (laughs) Like, (laughs) honestly, like get that BS out of here. But I want to say that because I think that people feel that. And I think that people feel pressure to like, okay, all the things that could go into a sexual relationship. Are we compatible, dude? Yeah. Are they gonna like the things that I like? Are they as freaky as I am? Are they, you know what I'm saying? But but we have yeah. these thoughts in our head, and dude, when you start walking into relationships with with those kind of expectations, dude, that is a recipe for absolute disaster. Yeah. Um, and when like we need to let them be them and let me be me and we're going to like come together under under the authority of Christ in a marriage um i don't know so anyways i just think that there's a lot of, that question is i think for a lot of people Oh for sure and, i bet and i think to debunk that of let that go yeah, <laughs> yeah for real and here's here's just a free little piece of
0: advice um if you want to have the best sex of your life in marriage and you're worried about past sex, whatever. Here's the key to having the best sex of your life. Have nothing to hide from your partner. Yeah, It's great. Don't just be naked physically. Like, get to a place where your partner knows your best and your absolute worst yeah. so that when you come together, you can truly be giving your all, not just the best image of yourself that you're trying to put up, but they know every hurt, every struggle, every time you've messed up, that This is going to sound weird, but Aaron and I have had a lot of hard conversations in our marriage so that there's no lies, there's no falsehood between us. Um, if you're married and you're listening to this and you struggle with porn or anything like that, confess to your spouse. It is not going to be an easy conversation, but it'll be the most freeing conversation you ever have in your life. Yeah. But that'll be the best sex you ever have when you're when you're not hiding from one another. That's and And you're fully known... And you realize you can be fully loved as broken people, both pursuing Jesus. So that'll make you sexually compatible. Um, Last question here before we take a break and finish out next week. Um, Very last question for this week is this. Is it really bad to date somebody who does not share the same faith as you? And they kind of frame it with this a little bit. Didn't Jesus love us even when we didn't love him back? So how is that any different? Um is it bad to date somebody who does not share the same faith as you? Yes. <laughs> Resounding yes. Jesus love for you is so different than your sexual attraction for somebody that doesn't share the same faith as you. Don't yeah. don't get it twisted. Jesus loved you with a love that he was willing to die and go to the cross for <laughs> to literally mend your relationship with God, to forgive sin, to make atonement for all of humanity, comparing even like a marriage-type love, even like a romantic love to what Jesus did. They're not even on the same playing field. Um, but just think about think about it. Like, would you want to get married if you want to live in Florida and the person wants to live in California? No. Like, you know, like yeah. you're just on two opposite ends of the spectrum. Is yeah. What I'm- trying to find a clever way to say it's a really bad idea
1: <laughs> yeah and i think that that sometimes we we have this thought that like if i if i date this person they might come to, to jesus um that's called missionary dating uh i'm gonna date you in hopes that you will become a christian um and i think that i would say to someone like that like do you think that god is so powerless so out of control that he needs you to disobey his word so that he can reach a human being that he created. Yeah. Like God's God's not asking you to go to be a dis- disobedient to his word and what he's already called us to um, in hopes that like you can save the person that that he, he created. And I think we all like to think that we're the exception to the rule. And, and just to bring some scripture to it, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 15 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And I, if you're a non-believer listening to this, we're not saying that because someone's a believer that they're better than you. Yeah, what we're saying all. is that they have different values with you yeah. than, than you. And and so you have to think about this. Even if you're an unbeliever listening to this, think, think about it. The the girl you you, you want to date is a believer— You're not a believer and you get married and she really believes that the kids should go to church, but you don't. And think about what that's going to cause with, within your marriage. Like sharing common values is, um, is crucial in a relationship. And so, um, so I think that there's, there's just a, a level of danger that, that comes into it, especially like in today's age with like the hot button topics of what we believe and what we don't believe. And, and uh, I, th- I think more than ever, it's important to uh, be yoked to somebody who, who shares the same value and, and belief system
0: yeah, as you do. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's great from a perspective of, we always kind of look at it from the perspective of like a Christian dating a non-Christian, but from a non-Christian dating a Christian, do you want them giving 10% of your income away? every time you get paid because that's part of the bargain, you know? Like, do you want, I mean, there's just so, there's just so many things. Um, If you're, if you're truly following Jesus, you don't even begin to see life. You don't even start at the same starting point. So how are you going to expect to end at the the same finish line together?
1: And I I think, I think people, here's what's tough is that two godly people can have a very ungodly relationship. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's where we can see it. Sometimes is two people who really love the Lord and love Jesus have a relationship that looks nothing like Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think that, that that can throw people off. And if that's you, then you need to hear from God and the Holy spirit on how you're interacting in, in your relationship. But I think people are like, well, how do I know if they're like a a Christian? How do I know if they, and you, they should be able to answer. Here was my life before Jesus. Here was the moment I met Jesus Here's like the date, the time, the place, because when you've had that experience, you know. We all know. Yeah. Um, and then here's what my life has been like since I met Jesus. If someone can't answer that question, um, then maybe it's not the the right time for you to engage in a relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, if you have
0: uh more questions or things that you'd like us to potentially answer answer in the future, uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, I think it's just Red Rocks YA and uh, you can just shoot us some uh, some of your questions, just send us some DMs, title it like podcast, and then uh, ask us your question and we'll do our best to kind of answer those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're wrapping up our relationship series next week. If you're in the Denver area and you don't come to Young Adults on a Thursday night- It's time. It is time to get your butt in gear. Wear a mask if you want to, wear a hazmat suit if that's what it takes, but get here because I think we're we're getting some momentum, man. We've got some we got some college students showing up. We've got some young professionals back in the building. Yeah, it's good we're, vibes, man. It is, man. There's no better place to be on a Thursday if you're trying to follow Jesus with a group of people in their 20s that are just living in Denver, doing the professional thing. It's where you need to be. Yeah, it's great. So, we love you guys. We'll be back next week with part two of our QA. Until then, see you next week. Bye. Darrington, keep running, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't forgotten about you.